The Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. My name is Joni Siegel, and I'm the host for this podcast. My husband, Steve Siegel, is the producer and the behind-the-scenes guy for this podcast. If you have a story you'd like to tell, feel free to reach out to us. Our email is theaddictionpodcast at yahoo.com. Today's episode is episode number 287. Just a reminder to please subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and also give us a five-star rating so that when people search for podcasts about addiction, they can find us. Also check out our YouTube channel and subscribe to the channel. Also give us a thumbs up on our videos and ring the bell so that you will know when we put up a new video. So today's episode is an interview with a lady named Danielle, also known as Danny Schaefer. She's a lifestyle blogger, podcast host, educator, activist, and mom, cultivator of kindness, weekend warrior, and red carpet wanderer. Schaefer grew up in New York City, earned a master's degree in education, and taught digital media for almost a decade before shifting her focus to her true passions, family, fashion, home decor, and travel by creating the lifestyle brand City Girl Gone Mom. She's wife to a Navy dentist and mom to four. In late 2018, Danielle lost her only brother, Scott, to an overdose at the age of 33. Scott was just one case in tens of thousands of fentanyl-related deaths in our country over the past year, according to a National Vital Statistics System report recently published from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, Fentanyl is now the drug most frequently involved in overdose deaths in the U.S. Schaefer serves as an advocate for breaking gender stereotypes, and she's a champion and spokesperson for combating the opioid crisis. Without further ado, let's talk to Danielle. We'll call her Danny Schaefer. Danielle Schaefer, thank you for being willing to be on the podcast today and sharing not only your story, but also your brother's story. I'm looking forward to talking to you. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Absolutely. So give me a little bit of your background, yours and your brother's. Where did you guys grow up? What was your life like when you were kids? Sure. Um, So I'm about 10 years older than my brother, and I would say we had a nomadic life. Our address was always in pencil because we were moving around so much. I have two addicts as parents, for sure. Mm. And I was saved definitely by my grandmother. My, so she helped, uh, she was a big part of creating normalcy for me during those crazy years of living with addicts. Um, my mom was pretty much single her whole life. You know, uh, people came and, came and went, I should say, or... And, but it was always, you know, she always had addiction and issues and suicide attempts, all those things and nothing a little girl should see for sure. Um, I mean, there's, there's all those steps, right. In when you get sober, that was a 12 steps. I think she's been on step six for about 25 years. Definitely. She can't get through the steps of sobriety whatsoever. It's, just not not going to happen um she's 75 years old and it's not going to happen so it's just it it is what it is um so 10 
uh, I'm 10 years older than my brother. So he came, uh, he has a different father and, you know, he, I guess I left really early. So I feel like I didn't live with him long, but I looked at him as if he was my own son a little right. bit, you know, kind of like an yeah. overprotective sister, I would yep. say. Um, I loved him to death. What a sweet teddy bear soul he had. I always looked at our mother with one eyebrow up because I didn't want to be like her. So uh, I remember three years old looking at her saying, oh my gosh, like, who are you? And I just never want to be you. Mm-hmm. And I had that like fighter in me, you know, like I was going to do better. I was going to work hard. I was going to go to school. Like since I was a little girl, I was hustling, making my own way, like literally at three. (laughs) Like I mean, I remember being in elementary school selling blow pops, like anything to make money and, you know, do the right thing. And just, I didn't want to be her. And then my brother, I feel, you know, he, I know he came to me many times where he was disgusted with her. And there was also a lot of, I felt like pressure because I couldn't take, I was a young kid too. And I couldn't take care of him. Like I was 10 years old is a bit young to be a mother. Yes. For that matter, 15 is a bit young to be a mother. Yes. I mean, it was, it was hard on me for sure, but I, I left when I found the opportunity to leave. So, um, you know, I'll, I, for me, I'll have that guilt, I guess. it's, And I know it's nothing I should be guilty of, um, as my mother should have stepped in and been a mother. But I, fe- I do feel, I'll always feel guilty that I wish I could have done more, even though I was a kid myself, um, which, which sucks. But he found his, you know, I, he definitely admired me beyond and... I, he, I helped him with his college essay, got him into Arizona state so he could leave. So he went to Arizona state and there he lived this like party fraternity life, you know? And when he was at Arizona, it was a lot of partying. He was the head of the fraternity. Um, He was one of those guys like they make movies about that never leave the fraternity, you know, stayed there for extra years, all those things. Um, once he finally left Arizona, he made his way to California, and so did I. And we were we were both brought up on the East Coast, uh, Northeast uh, New York area. And he made his way to, I guess, Hermosa, Hermosa Beach, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, Hermosa Pier, and all that, and started to become a bartender there. And we all bartended. Even I bartended in college, and um, he started to bartend. Our mother bartended. And he never I'm, stopped bartending. Yeah, excuse me, Danielle, but did he did he start doing drugs like before college, or was it primarily when he went to Arizona that he was introduced to drugs and began doing that? I would say it started really early um, for him. If I'm not, I mean, I remember him smoking tons of marijuana in high school. Ah, okay, and. It was pretty much, you know, it just, I don't think there was much, um, I don't know how to say this, uh, like no one was telling him not to, because that, you know what I mean? He wasn't yep. living in a household where there was rules. Yep. 
kind of yeah. thing, much, many rules. There was so, no parenting, basically. Kind of, yes. That's that's how it was. So Except was for what you, as an older sister, could provide, which and is I, not the he, same. And he was deathly afraid of me because oh. I was, I was, you know, he was, I was a tough one on him. Very, very tough. I expected more. I wanted more. And I knew he was brilliant because he got like a, the perfect score in an SAT, which wasn't normal, like a perfect score and could have been. Wow. Yes. So I wanted him to really apply himself and have that fighter in him that his sister had. So I expected him to do that. So I was more of like, I was the, I was the one parent sister in his life. Okay. So, but when I did, you know, go to the house and see thing, I know he was smoking, you know, and then, I mean, I don't, I think that the opioid stuff started when he had a tooth injury, um, a kid, they were playing soccer and he got his two front teeth knocked out. And I think he was uh, subscri- uh, prescribed, sorry, prescribed uh, opioids. And I think it could have started back then when he was a kid. And then I guess, you know, I, is it hereditary? I think it is. Addiction could be, I don't know. Debatable. It's debatable. debatable. Yeah. yeah. And it's environmental for sure too, as well, you know? So he definitely did the marijuana thing, the opioids, went to college, partied like an animal. And then there was a point where he was bartending in Hermosa. I was pregnant to my third child. He didn't answer the phone. And I flew all the kids out to Hermosa from the East Coast because I, I wanted to show up at the bar. I showed up at the bar pregnant to say, hey, you don't answer the phone. I guess I have to fly here. That's the kind of sister I was. So, you know, I and he was like, oh, my God, you know, and it just. I was, I had kids at this point and I needed to, you know, be a parent to them. So I did the best I could with him. And, you know, he was independent living on his own and yeah. So that's like, that's like our, uh, us in a nutshell, but he definitely admired me. We laughed, you know, we, we laughed, we had stories. He was the witness to my life. I was the witness to his, to the insanity And I used to always joke around with him. If you, you know, if you die and you leave me with mommy, I'm going to wake you up and like, I'm going to kill you. Like, you need to, don't, do not leave me with her, you know? So we, like, we were, we were close. So I, you know, I loved my brother to no end. And, uh, yeah. Do you want me to keep going with this? I want you to keep going with the story and I want you to tell us what ultimately happened. Yeah. So what ultimately happened is I would say a year prior to him passing away, I got a call saying, um, Hey, I'm with your brother. He overdosed. He's in the hospital. He needs a place to live all these things. So he told me that the girlfriend was crazy when I got up with him, that that didn't happen. Um, all, you know, the lies, the lies, the lies. And then I, you know, I called his father and I said, we need to help him. We need to do something here. So we got him an apartment. His father was able to financially always save the day. So he was lucky that way and spoiled that way where, you know, he got, you know, he's fallen down. So we got him an apartment. We got him the car, you know, all the things he needed to survive and make better choices. But the thing that wasn't happening was the better choices was the, you know, there was no treatment. There was no want, wanting of treatment for sure for him. Um, so 
now a year later after that one incident, then I got like a DM. I have a very big social media. So it, it, it's really upsetting, but I honestly got a DM and it was um, a DM that said, you know, hey, this is your brother's roommate. You need to call me. And I knew right when they said that, I said to myself, this is not good, you know? And I had, in the, I had to put my youngest, my fourth child down. I went in a room and I called and the girl was hysterical crying. And he lived with an accountant. He lived with a teacher and he was a bartender and he lived with professional people in a, in a house. And he basically had a pill and he took this pill, I guess, after some argument with his girlfriend and the pill was like 90% fentanyl. And he was alone in his room and he, fentanyl stops you from breathing, stops you from living and it shuts down all your organs. He was a perfectly, he was a boy that worked out every day. He was in the best shape of his life. Gorgeous, gorgeous kid and at 33 years old and he died in his room and his, his roommates didn't know that he died for several days. Oh, for, my God. For three days. Ugh, so lay there. Such a tragedy. And it, that part makes me really sick to my stomach because um, his phone was downstairs. His clothing was in the wash. And, and nobody checked on him. Nobody checked on him. Oh so the, their reasoning was that he worked the night. They were professionals in the day. And he worked nights. And so maybe they, they figured of, he wasn't there when they, they came just home? They didn't see him often. Uh. And he also had many phones. Like they said that he was fixing phones and, you know, doing that as like a side job. So they didn't think anything of it with the, they didn't think anything of it with the wet clothes and the wash. I don't know. Wow. But I, I was very mad at them for a long time. I still am. I'm so sorry, Danielle. I'm just sorry yeah. that I, I'm sorry that had to happen. It sucks. Yeah, it sucks because I loved him and I just, I hate to like, the thought of that just makes me, made me sick. So here I am, you know, with this phone call, next thing you know, is the coroner's office and all these things. And then of course I have an addict mom and his dad was in absolute denial that this happened and he was absolutely traumatized and whatever he went through I had to handle it all I had to handle the whole thing like you know I had to go to his room I had to the police don't clean up the drugs anymore because the fentanyl can wipe you out right so I called in my cousin my cousin flew across country and he came with me he was a detective at NYPD and we went into his room with gloves on. We found the drug, which was fentanyl. And if I inhaled it, I could have died too. But the, that's how it goes. The police won't touch it. It's just really sick and sad. And um, we cleaned up his room and we got his his belongings. We, you know, I took what I wanted to keep and donated the rest. And I mean, it's a scene that I'll never unsee. You know, it's walking into your brother's room and he's not there and he's gone. And then having to have a funeral, I had to, you know, organize that whole funeral. And it was just, 
really traumatizing for me. I, I felt like his parent. So, and I act, acted like one when this happened. Well, again, you're the one that had to take full responsibility. Do full you know? Responsibility did you thing. live, did you live in California at the time or did you, were you handling this all from I live across in San country? Diego? Oh, he okay. In, um, he actually lived in Huntington, okay. Huntington Beach. Okay. So about, I think it's about an hour and a half away from me. Okay. But, um, yeah, it just, it, it, it's just really terrible. He's my, my brother and, you know, just, I can't. And your only sibling, right? Yes. Yeah. I mean, we have, I have half siblings, um, from my thought, my biological father's side, but he's the one I, I grew up with, you know, that, that I only grew up with. So he's like my, yeah. So it feels like my only brother. Yes. Right. Um, I'm sorry. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. It's, it's, a terrible thing and I feel like you just have to you know really talk about it I'm the type of person that will wear my heart on my sleeve and if I wasn't going to share this I wouldn't be able to save a life and so for me I immediately talked about it right away like my brother died of an accidental overdose laced with fentanyl he didn't want to die I have his phone it took me seven days to break the code. I got the code to his phone and he has a Google Pixel phone and I was able to open up his world. And it, once it opened up, the Google Pixel phone tracks your every, wherever you walk, wherever wow. you go. I, think, I don't know if people know that, but it's the sickest thing I've ever seen because my iPhone doesn't do that, but the Google Pixel does. And it tracked everywhere he was for like years. I, I, I spent mapping it out on my wall. I found the drug dealers. I found everybody I needed to find who I read every text, everything. And I had a deep dive into his life. And he, it's amazing what a phone can carry on someone. It, it, it's unbelievable. Are you ashamed of your loved one's addiction? Are you worried that your loved one will overdose before they hit bottom? Do you walk on eggshells because of your loved one's addiction? If the answer is yes to any of those questions, the Addiction Intervention Book is for you. Author Rob Lohman brings you 11 breakthrough strategies to help you or a loved one discover freedom from the chaos of addiction. Restore your hope for the future and break free from the hopelessness of addiction. Visit www.addictioninterventionbook.com to get your copy today. Also available on Amazon. You are listening to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. For more information on the podcast or to reach out if you have a story you would like to share with us, go to our Facebook page by the same name. Or you can email us at theaddictionpodcast at yahoo.com or go to our website, theaddictionpodcast.com or call us at 727-314-7080. And please remember to subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and give us a five-star review. Sometimes the hardest thing about getting someone into recovery is getting them to agree to treatment. 
Bobby Newman, a certified drug counselor with 30 years experience and an over 85% success rate as an interventionist, has created a series of 12 videos that you can use right now to learn every step to get your loved one to agree to treatment. Call 1-833-918-0008 today and say the word podcast to get a 10% discount. Or go to newmaninterventions.com and type in the word podcast for a 10% discount. This service comes with a free one-hour consultation with Bobby. But when you die of an overdose, I don't feel like the police, I, it's just another statistic. Yes, and exactly. so sick. Is another drug-related crime. Another drug-related drug death. Yeah. Death, right. And it's like, you know, I'll never forget. I wrote a call. I wrote um, an article on the Today Show about the whole thing. And it went, they used it for two years. They kept repeating the article over and over again because, you know, it, this is a real situation. This, right. is, this, this can happen to anyone. And these are human beings. Don't tell me because he, you know, dabbled in drugs that he's, a, you know, oh, he shouldn't have been using drugs. That's not, the, that's not how it works. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you have to reverse the silence with the stigma that's associated with drug use. Um, there's a couple of organizations I'm I definitely am proud to be part of a responsibility.org and reverse the silent reverse silence.org. Those are two nonprofits that are moving mountains with responsibility.org. If you're a parent out there, that is something you know, that you can like look at and read how to talk to your children about responsible decision-making regarding beverage alcohol. Okay. Yep. That everybody, every parent needs that. You yep. need, you yep. need to talk about that. Yep. So I I've, I've learned a lot being part of that organization. I've also learned so much with reverse silence.org, which is, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a place where we, where they're teaching people to talk and lessen the stigma about opioid use and then about overdose overdose and help raise awareness because this can happen to anyone, brothers, sisters, mothers, daughters, fathers. I mean, this can happen to anyone. And it's super important that I align myself with organizations that are doing something about it. Um, getting back to my brother, I mean, I'm, I still have nightmares about it. It's the the worst thing that could ever happen is the person dies yep. and it the pain i feel and what the hole that's left in my heart is atrocious and i i do feel him and i believe you know i believe in god and those things but it's still it doesn't it doesn't soften the blow of me not being able to call him, of him not being able to see his niece and three nephews and to see them grow and to see how wonderful they are and how successful they're going to be. It doesn't do any of that for me. So it's, you know, it, it, it sucks. It sucks. Yep. I just, I, I have no words. I mean, losing someone is the worst thing ever. You know, it, however you lose the person, it's the worst thing ever. But yep. when it comes to overdosing and the fentanyl it's it's it, needless my, it's a needless death it didn't need to happen it, you know I, happen. not that anybody needs to die oh. but when someone has terminal cancer okay but right this is different this is a
this is an accidental overdose that just, it didn't need to happen. And you, know? and you know what bothers me the most? I would say what bothers me, Joni, is that, right, this couldn't, this could have been avoided. Like, that's what I mean. And and that's, and that, it bothers me because it's in the hundreds of thousands, like all these people that this, what bothers me is back in the day, like when I was a kid and if I wanted to experiment or have a drug, there was, there was a, a, you could recover. You could recover from alcohol, from, from, you know, having marijuana, from doing this and doing that. You could recover. You can't recover today. That's, there's no room for recovery of, of, of experimenting due to fentanyl, which will kill you. Exactly. Back, back then they didn't have drugs that were just shut your body down like that. Overdoses were not where they were Mm -mm. 30 years ago. It's Mm -mm. out of control. It's hundreds of thousands of people and it's, it's, it can be avoided and street drugs. I mean, if you're a parent and you're listening to this, they are selling this on different social media apps. I'll leave their name out, but you're the social media apps. You they're selling drugs on there. Oh, you mean so like TikTok and Snapchat? Yes. You mean like those two apps? I won't leave their names out. Mm. We've heard that before. Yeah, but it's, they are it's being. A, it's disgusting. Yeah, on Snapchat, yes. Yeah. That one yeah. especially is the one that, you know, you have to have, a, you, and it's hard with parents because you don't have access to your kids' social media. I, I mean, there's so many things I want to do and be on the board for because, with, especially with social media, I'm, I, I would love to get on the board of these companies because they need parents like this, like me. Yep. I kind of know what's going on. because. But I'm, what I'm, I would say, Danielle, is that, and to any parent listening, you have an absolute right to grab your child's device and find out what they're doing. And yes. if you suspect that they might be dabbling in drugs, I certainly would do it. I would grab that cell phone and smash it to bits if I had to. I, there's, you have to. What's the One alternative? One of the best things you should do as a parent is put the apps on your phone and your log and their login on the phone. Yep. And if you're going to live under my roof, yes. then your your apps need to be on my phone. It, it, especially now I, I believe in letting some kids have, you know, privacy, but if there's draw if you think for one minute there's drugs involved with your child, you have to have all their apps. That privacy went away at that, that point. You yes. know? Yes. Uh, there's there are to limits live. to what you if can you allow, to live. you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. If they're getting I, wasted, if your kid is getting wasted and in high school, you've got a bigger problem than you think. You can do drug testing. You can make them take a drug test. You can That's make sure right. you check their room and look under the bed. And if you find air fresheners under the bed, it, like someone said on one of the episodes, it's not because they're passing gas. That's not why it's there. Do you know? Yeah. I, I met another mom and she gave her college student her child fentanyl test strips for her friend, her and all of her friends so that they could test if there's fentanyl in a drug, if they were going to use the drug. The fact that she had to do that. I know is excuse my bad word. I just made this podcast, not clean, fucking horrifying. I know. There you go. I know. Unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Believable 
And thank God you have a podcast called The Addiction Podcast. Well, and you know, we didn't go through what you went through, Danielle. We haven't lost anyone to addiction. But we could not look at this situation in this country and say, it has nothing to do with us. We couldn't do that, you know? I I don't understand why. They they have to do more with this. I mean, they're constantly, they just announced that San Diego is in a state of emergency for fentanyl overdoses. Uh And the announcements, if you just Google the word fentanyl news, you know, it's unbelievable state to state what's happening. Yep. It's it's just getting into our country in boatloads. Yep. And to walk across the border. It's it. And yes. And I, I once interviewed, um, the district attorney here about, and she's such an advocate for, you know, fentanyl bus. Like this is what she does. And she found her team. They, Oh my God. They had fentanyl strapped to a five-year-old kid that was being <laughs> bussed in from, and, and it would have wiped out like, like a hundred thousand people. That's how much fentanyl was strapped to a child. The way that they get fentanyl into this country is is unbelievable. Oh it's, my god! It really is unbelievable. That, that, that's it's all money. It all yeah, boils exactly. down to money. Exactly, Danielle. The first organization you said was responsibility dot org. What is the yeah. second one? The second one is reverse silence dot org. Okay. Yes, both of those. Okay. And you, what is your role with those organizations? What do you do with them? So I, I promote them um, on my on my social media channels. At this point, we have like a five million reach. You know, I have like a f- four million on TikTok, and then a million between the two Instagrams, and then Facebook, Pinterest, all the all the places, the blog. I have a, a very big social media with business. your city girl gone mom, right? With that, yes, I'm right. city okay. girl gone mom. That's my website, and I've had it for about ten years now. Yeah. So I've been in the social media business before influencers were influencers. So I'm like the original gangster of social media. The original influencer. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. And, um, you know, so, but I use my, my platform, you know, besides the things that I'm passionate about, you know, like I love fashion and home decor and raising kids. I talk about real issues. I try to, you know, especially that I was hit directly with an overdose in my house. I'm very open about it. And that's why I love those two organizations. Yep. They, they are, one is, you know, about alcohol and the other one is about saving a life and reversing the stigma. Yep. And they're both very important if you're raising children. So I, I'm praying that I'm a part of that organization for the rest of my life because I love them both. And I want to um, thank you for using your social media platforms that you'd already created to promote these organizations and to educate people on this whole area of opioid addiction and overdose, because a lot of people might not do that. They might just say, well, that's a separate part of my life, but you you're doing it the right way. And that is to, you have a platform, you have people that listen to you. And so you're telling them the real story. And I think, I think that's huge that you do that, Danielle. Thank you for doing that. Yeah, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Even today, I, I know we posted my brother's friend, he started a soda company and he's like donating money to this kind of awareness and stuff like that. So I was promoting 
his soda company because he's also got his arm into helping and raising awareness that this could happen to anyone. He put my brother's picture on the box. Like it was just, I, so, wow. you know, it, it's, he, my brother had a million friends. Um, so when I, it was really hard on me when, you know, when I spoke at his um, funeral, it was so hard to look in the audience and look at those young 30 year old guys and girls hysterical crying. And I mean, he was so popular and he wasn't a loner and he had a million friends and they dabbled in drugs. What could I say? You know, and I, I don't judge them for that, but they didn't know the drug was going to be laced with fentanyl and that community alone up in Hermosa. I mean, they've lost tons of young guys, young girls due to the, the experimenting of drugs or having fun with drugs to fentanyl. It's so sick. It's just sick. You just stop breathing and you got to raise awareness about Narcan too, because yep. If you, you, if you think you could reverse an overdose with CPR, you can't. Mm -mm. And I didn't even know about Narcan when my brother was using, my brother was using drugs. I learned about Narcan after. Right. And that is a fact. So I didn't know. I didn't have anywhere to turn either. I didn't know what to do. All I knew about was AA. That's all I knew about. I didn't know that you needed Narcan. I didn't know that you can get it at a pharmacist and that everyone can carry it in their house. Right. You know, and, and that sucks too. I don't, just like that mom that's giving her kid fentanyl test strips, she's trying, I, that sucks, but she's, she, she's being realistic, right? Because the yep. kids are going to be offered drugs and if they, they have to make a, a decision, am I going to use this drug at this party or am I going to test it for fentanyl? And well, this or even if you have a friend doing it, say, let me test it for you before yeah. you die from using what you think is Oxycontin. Let's test it just to be sure. You test know, it. I think the, the fact that you have so many people who, you know, follow your city girl gone mom, I just, I think that it's huge. You're letting, you know, millions of people in on information that they need to have. Unfortunately, you know, but they need to have you know what you're just reminding me of that. I don't I don't do enough on tick. That's where my huge audience is. And that's where those kids are. TikTok. I need to, yeah, I'm going to need to to do put those campaigns up on TikTok as a reminder for them. Thanks for reminding me. Because now I, I just I just realized <laughs> that I have to use that that audience. I have to use that platform to raise awareness because that, that audience grows like unbelievable. I get like 10,000 new followers a day. It's wow. like, yeah. So yeah. that, and that is the younger demographic, the ones who are it out is. there I, experimenting. Yep. I need to, I need to just do it, just do a small campaign on my own without approval from anyone and just say, Hey, this is what you can do. This is what's going on. Yep. Yeah. You go girl. You go, girl, gone I, I, mom. I try. I try. And even like, you know, I just aligned myself with Purina as well because they're doing like with the veterans, with PTSD, which all boils down to drug use at some point. You know what I mean? So I, I try to align myself with brands that are like, that care about the greater good, like our, our veterans, you know, like I care. My, my husband's a veteran. My yeah. husband went to Afghanistan for a year. PTSD is real. 
So it's like all these things, you know, but you have to, you have to know what you can do. You have to know how to get out of it. And you know what, Joni, I'll say, when I share these things on my platform and I say, you know, my brother died, this can happen to you. Don't, do not think you're unscathed from this happening. It can happen to anyone. And um, when I do that and I tell them the pain I feel from losing my baby brother, Scott, that I had a girl write me and say, because of you, I am not going to use today. Oh. I don't want to break my, my family's heart and I'm going to get myself some help. Because the way you grieve over your brother, I don't want my siblings to ever feel that. And I'm going to get some help. And that's when I knew. I said, I'm doing what I was meant to do right yeah. now. Yeah. I'm saving, even if it's one life. That's right. Because the pain, my brother left probably hundreds of people that are brokenhearted that will think of him for the rest of his life. And they still reach out, you know, those kids. And they, they still tell me the good times, the stories, this and that. And it's a loss. It's a huge loss. And, and if I could stop that from happening, hundreds of people from grieving, then okay, Yep. That's I, I, I think it's thinking. huge. I thank you so much, not only for everything you do, but for taking the time to talk to us today, because I just, you're making such a difference. And we appreciate people like you who don't, you know, kind of shy away from talking about something that is not socially acceptable, but are, you know, you're willing to shed a light on it because you know how important that is. And I think that's huge. Thank you for thank everything you, you do. <laughs> You're welcome. It's so important. Addiction is real. Overdoses are real. Fentanyl is a killer and you, you can't turn a blind eye to it. So, you know, if there's a kid out there that you know that's using, just know your resources, know what you can do. Head to those websites, look at the options, you know, check out those websites because they are very helpful and there's, you can do things. I mean, in the case of my mom though, you know, it's like, I mean, another thing is like getting the power of attorney. I, I mean, I wish I had the power of attorney over my mother and I don't. Hmm. Yeah, That's a tough one, yeah. you know? So it's interesting because I think that she needs help. Like, and, but I can't, I don't think you have the right to get someone help either. It's like, I think, do you know that Joni? If you could yeah. like, like say my mother needs assistance, you know, like what's my rights, you yeah. know? I yeah. don't know. I don't know that either. Stuff is on I me. Know. I know it's, it's, it's wild. So it, I'm dealing with it with an older mother and you're mm-hmm. like, what can I do for her? You know, yep. uh, it's hard, but you know, check out those websites, have Narcan and you know, that's and once again, it's say. responsibility.org and reverse silence.org. Danielle, thank you again for being with us today. Really, really appreciate it. Yes, you're so welcome. Anytime. I appreciate you having me. Thank you for listening today. If you want to find Danielle, she is City Girl Gone Mom. And you can find her on all the major social media platforms. The two websites that she talked about were responsibility.org and reversesilence.org. And those organizations are there to help. And Danielle is there to help. And if you need help, Please don't wait. Please reach out. If you have a loved one that's addicted, reach out, get help. Don't wait until you have to experience what Danielle experienced. We don't want that for you.
We'll be back again with another interview. You have been listening to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. For more information, reach out to us on Facebook or go to www.theaddictionpodcast.com. Our email is theaddictionpodcast at yahoo.com.